Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. Hey, everyone, and welcome to 2016. Happy New Year, Hollister. I know. Did you bring in the new year with a movie? You know, I feel like every day brings a movie. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I have a um, something that I do every New Year's Eve. I go to the movies, and then I have an early Japanese dinner. And then I go home and write somebody a letter, um, sort of reflecting on our history together. And it's really a fun thing to do on New Year's Eve. And I'm in bed by 10 o'clock. Yay. Nice. That seems like a very healthy yeah. start to the new year. So this movie <laughs> I saw on New Year's Eve was Concussion, which is about the NFL. With Will Smith starring. You have to go see this movie. And Will Smith did an amazing job, as did everyone else really in it. And the story is tragic and true. I don't want to go into it much, but I will say that um, Concussion is a great movie. And it's about how powerful the NFL and money can be in terms of overlooking certain things that might not be best for our, our physical health. And I'm grateful that they made it. So that's all I'm going to say about it. But have you heard anything about it? Any news on it at all? I saw the trailer and Will Smith was fantastic in the trailer. Yeah, he really, I got to say that guy can act and he should, he should do more roles that are important. You know, he really should. I loved him in Six Degrees of Separation. Ah, you know, I don't think I saw that. Do I need to see that? That was fantastic with Stockard Channing and Donald Sutherland. There you go. He was fantastic. And he did Pursuit of Happiness. Yeah, well, that was a good, yeah, it was a good film. But this one, uh, this one really, he really has to bust his chops. He doesn't have the accent right all the time. He sort of goes in and out of it a little bit, but you don't even notice. Okay, you don't, you barely notice. All right. Okay. So, so big kudos on that. And then I did want to talk about Joy, which apparently a couple of uh, our listeners felt that we were a little antagonistic toward each other in Joy, which I we guess is We weren't joyous okay. towards each other? <laughs> no. And I think you even made some comment about, you know, Joy to the New World or something on, on Christmas. But from Catherine... Um, O'Toole was very irritating and dead wrong in her attack of your opinion of joy. I loved every minute of it. I would have added to your podcast that one of the great parts is the idea that an adult could have had other hopes for their life and how it might make you pause and think what the childhood version you wanted for yourself and then envision your life now and see if you're making that kid proud. So she didn't like the way you came at me on <laughs> Joy, so there. Well, that is a commendable takeaway from Joy, a movie that did go through four editors. You know, Hollister, I just read that Bradley Cooper had to teach J-Law how to mop. I told you it's not about the mop. People are not listening. Anyway, I'm not going back to Joy. You know what I've started watching? And I know we don't do reality TV much on our podcast, but Top Chef is such a great show. And I don't know why I love it so much because the truth is I can't taste any of the food they're making, but I am confident that I am sure which one is the best. And so, which is absurd when you think about it, but I do love Top Chef. And um, I just finished episode three in season 13, which came out, started about a month ago, and it's really good. So if you're a Top Chef lover, it's back and everybody should take a look. You've never seen it, huh? I did read your written review. Yeah, I did a while ago. I wrote about it. but I, it, you And know, it's still on our site, screenthoughts.net. Okay, but that was last season. Now we're talking about season 13. You are so au courant. I know. And mm-hmm. then this week, um, The Revenant is opening. Now, do you know anything about that film? Because I've, I'm, it's getting amazing reviews. 
It's a great title. I saw the trailer with Leonardo DiCaprio, of course. Uh-huh. Uh, well, yes. And I, I don't know. I don't know anything about it, but I do think I'm going to probably go take a look-see. With your new best friend, Catherine. Oh, I, no, <laughs> actually. <laughs> From your uh, joyous fan mail. I've never seen a movie with Catherine. Um, I think but... the two of you should go and send me a postcard. <laughs> Okay, let's let's not be bitter when those around us don't always agree. But anyway, I'm just, just saying, saying somebody's cherry picking from the reader yeah. pile. That's all I'm well, saying. Well, you know what? Feel free to cherry pick away, Catherine. I B, would if you didn't delete the messages that backed me up. Mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't see many messages that backed you up, but I'll work on that. And guess what opened um, this week also is the last season of Downton Abbey. And I'm not sure I want to start the season because then I'll have to end the season and they will be lost to me forever. So are you going to have to I'll have to pace that one out slowly. (laughs) Today, we're going to talk about Amazon's Mozart series. And it's Mozart in the Jungle. Season two just began. Well, the whole thing is available to be streamed. So you can watch all 10 episodes already. You can. And season one. Mm -hmm. And it's up for two Golden Globes, uh, one for the show itself and then for one for Bernal. Kudos to Amazon that they're coming out with shows like Catastrophe and Mozart in the Jungle. You know, two Golden Globe nominations. It's kind of hard to remember back in the day when only network TV was getting the Golden Globe nominations. Let me just give a little kickback on what what it's about. It's really about uh, the New York Symphony Mm -hmm. and behind the scenes, the drama... Please join me in welcoming a man who need only be introduced by his first name, your new conductor and musical director, Rodrigo. Does he also do children's parties? I think he's amazing. The storyline is about the old guard symphony conductor stepping down to let in a new Rodrigo, who's much more about himself and his flamboyance than he is about the actual music that he plays. You think? I, well, I do sort oh, of, yeah. I, I mean, I look, I think he hears about oh, the music. he's a talented musician. Oh, totally. you know, he feels the music. And, you know, we should say it's based on the book written by the real-life Grammy-nominated oboist Blair Tyndall. It's her controversial memoir. It's called Mozart in the Jungle, Sex, Drugs, and Classical Music. Well, there you go. So it is based on reality, when, apparently. When I saw him come on, I couldn't help but be struck by the resemblance between Gustavo Dudamel, who, when I was living in L.A. a number of years ago, maybe three, four years ago, he came to uh, to conduct the symphony in L.A. And again, another flamboyant personality, which is as large as the music that he conducts. Now, it used to be conductors, maybe with the exception of Leonard Bernstein, but they sort of took a backseat to the music, meaning, you know, they were great conductors, but he is a part of the music when he is conducting. There's no question about that. So it's sort of this new way of approaching and uh and the drama between he and the and the and the conductor stepping down to say nothing of the of the um those people who sponsor the donors who pay for the symphony and then the people who are working the symphony it's it's almost like a soap opera around uh around a symphony orchestra and it's the the stuff you always suspected went on behind the scenes but you didn't really know so i think that's what makes it interesting 
And what do you think about it? Overall, did you like it? I thought it was fascinating. And the adjective I would give it is quirky. And you know I love quirky. (laughs) I think anyone who is drawn to a show like Gilmore Girls Uh or Jane the Virgin or Smash, what Smash did in terms of a backstage look at the making of a Broadway show, I thought this gives the viewer the backstage look at life behind an well there's center stage which was very a very also sort of quirky movie uh, about the New York ballet behind the scenes. So, I mean, there have been a couple of successful attempts at this. And part of the reason I think they're successful is because they also do integrate the music well. Did you? I think they could be integrating the music a little more. Do you think? How do you feel about... I think the, the music is phenomenal. Yeah, and good. even in episode one, when they start out and you realize that's really Joshua Bell, uh-huh. the world-famous violinist playing the violin... I thought it was tremendous, and I had to laugh because what drew me to the show was the Golden Globe nomination. You know how the Golden Globe category is best television series, comedy, or musical? And I thought this one qualifies on both fronts. Oh, excellent, yeah. And you know, part of it is, don't you think, Bernadette Peters plays the chairman of the board of directors of the symphony, and to me... Don't you think Bernadette Peters is to Mozart in the Jungle what Maggie Smith is to Downton Abbey? Don't you think? She is, of course, a Broadway legend. Right. She, she nails it. Terrific. Oh, you can't wait for her to be on the screen because she just nails the drama, but not overboard so it's not believable, but just funny and fabulous. Well, her comedic yep. timing Brilliant. is so good. And then she looks fantastic at all these black tie events she has to go to because that's her other milieu is being the real life Broadway star. In the first season, when she comes on stage, the first time we see her, she comes on stage in her gala gown, and I thought, who makes that, and where do you buy it? It is fabulous. She looked amazing. And it was such a natural way to introduce us to all the characters, because they, in turn, are introducing the old conductor and the new conductor to the Philharmonic's audience. You know, we should just run through the whole cast, because it is such a strong ensemble cast. Malcolm McDonald. Dowell is perfectly cast as the conductor emeritus. What next? Bring a pet to the symphony day. Gael Garcia Bernal. The first violin played sharp 17 times in the first movement alone. And we weren't able to perceive Tchaikovsky's desired dynamic shift from bars 27 to 34. Changes will be made. Lola Kirk, who plays the oboist. This is the third podcast that we've discussed Lola Really? What, where where did we see her before? I don't even remember. Okay, she was Greta in Gone Girl. Oh, she, oh my God, she was. And then she was Tracy in Mistress oh, America. Right, 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 right. Opposite Greta that Gerwig. Girl, you know what? And I would never recognize her in the other roles in any of these roles. She's very, very good. She's... She can play it all. She she is. She's excellent. She is the sincere oboist. And in real life, her father is a musician. Oh. He belonged to two rock bands. And her mother owns a vintage boutique in New York City. So she provided a lot of the clothes that were used on Sex and the City. Well, I can, She's very I can tell you, when she puts that reed in her mouth to prepare it before she plays, you know she knows what she's doing. She's definitely amazing. Yeah. And speaking of oboists, Deborah Monk plays the lead oboist in the orchestra. And I know you recognize her from Grey's Anatomy. Uh, of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> she was George's mother. Uh-huh. She's Uh, another person who's been with us for so long, and she's fantastic in that role. Malcolm McDowell, as we mentioned. Okay, that's my favorite. I love him. He is so, so good. So, so good. I couldn't even pick a favorite on this show. I think the ensemble cast is so strong. And the 
the guest stars that they get, for example, Laszlo, who is in an episode playing the trombonist who passes out on stage, he's played by Jerry Adler, who was Howard Lyman on The Good Wife. Yep. And so, amazing, amazing, amazing cast. You know, they get characters like Wallace Shawn to do guest spots. The acting is tremendous, and the writing is so good. Each character is so fully drawn. What a treat for the actors to play these roles. Excellent, excellent, excellent writing on this show. And it keeps it moving, but also it does tell the backstory well enough, but not too much. It's just really, really well done. Dialogue, fabulous. Best, what your best line? What's your favorite line? Do you have one? There are so many. Just, um, how about giving me one? Okay, in season one, when Lola Kirk's character, the oboist, she's day drinking with the dancer from Juilliard, and she says, it's so funny that I spent so many years learning to blow air through a tube. <laughs> God, I don't remember. That one didn't stand out to me. Here's another line I loved was when Haley was talking about how she wanted to learn to play the oboe from the age of five. And she said, I was like a little alien on an alternate universe, and eventually I found all the other aliens. (laughs) Okay, clever, clever, clever. (laughs) Here's the one that stood out to me, which just goes to show where our minds lie. Okay, so Rodrigo is asking her, does the, the, um, the orchestra, do they like me? And... She says, well, they think you're crazy, but sometimes I think they love you. And I love the juxtaposition between, you know, Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and appreciating brilliance well enough that you have to love it. I mean, I just thought that was really, really beautifully said. And I love this cross-cultural dynamic that Gael Garcia Bernal brings to the role because even on the show, he's supposed to be from Mexico. So every time he pronounces Haley's name, Highlight, it makes me laugh all over again as he's trying to explain to her how to make the perfect mate. And even when he first shows up, And he's got the crazy hair. And Malcolm McDowell looks at it and says to Bernadette Peters, completely snidely, I think you two share the same hairdresser. Um, I loved it. And also, he layered it in a little further in the plot, so it wasn't the first thing that he said. But you saw it on his face when 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 he first walked out. But... You know, but the other thing that I like about it, okay, let's pretend there's a deeper meaning to this whole thing, which I'm sure there isn't, but I always like to look for that anyway. Okay, you know, there is an old guard in each of us. Keep everything the same. Don't step outside the box. We push ourselves to then go to the Rodrigo portion of, look, take it outside the box, do something different. Um, You can add to the music. You don't just have to play the music the way it's always been played. At the same time, there is something to say for that which has been around forever and how to make sure you incorporate it into today, too. And to me, the yin-yang inside of each of us in terms of going with what we always know and works for us versus, okay, jump out of your skin and do something totally different. I think, uh, I, I just love that part of this. I mean, I can see myself and I think, I hope others can see themselves in both the old conductor and Rodrigo. You know what I mean? And then they bring in Rodrigo's wife, 
who of course is very outright. Right, who nobody even knew about until like episode four or something. They keep bringing in something fresh to even be a contrast to Rodrigo, who she thinks has sold out. You know, and I love how they portray his love of the music, bringing it to the streets, bringing it to the people. Um, even when he's at these stuffy fundraisers yeah. and he conducts them all playing a song by rubbing their champagne glasses, it's very fresh and very original. Right, but but I have to tell you, it's not original. Like, if you look at the plot of Center Stage, which was a movie that came out about four or five years ago, maybe longer, I'm not sure. But if you look at the plot of Center Stage, it's the same plot in the same physical setting, setting because it was the New York City Ballet where... Um, where the old guard faces off with the new guard and the backstory is the drama between all the players, you know, all the dancers behind the scenes. And it's very, very, very similar. It really is. So um, I don't I don't think it's a new plot. I don't. I think it sort of follows that. And if you've seen Center Stage, you know you've seen this before. It's just that one's about music and the other's about dance. And one was a one-and-a-half-hour movie and the other one's a series. It does feel very fresh, though. Even the oh, yeah, roommate definitely. dynamic. I mean, how often have we seen roommates portrayed on TV? And yet Haley's roommate, even when she answers her cell phone when Haley's calling saying Suicide Prevention Center, it's a very um, a fun a fun dynamic. Well, I'll tell you where else you've seen roommates be a major portion of the plot, and that's in center stage. A lot, all the back room takes oh, well, place in from the roommate point of view in the same way. You with see it humor. in so many yeah, shows. Exactly. You know, we should really give a shout out to the creative team behind this show because the creator is Roman Coppola, who was nominated for an Oscar for Moonrise Kingdom. Any he wrote relation? The Any relation? Yep. Hello. Son of. Francis Ford Coppola, brother of Sophia, cousin of Nicholas well, Cage. Well, you know what? What a great name to grow up with if you want to go into f- to uh, film or TV. He's also the cousin of Jason Schwartzman. And Jason Schwartzman is a producer of Mozart in the Jungle, and he acts on it as well. He's the one that played the podcaster. Yes, and he's very good, by the way. It was a hilarious uh-huh. scene. Hilarious. Now, season two, by the way, takes us outside of New York City into the backdrop of Mexico City and also L.A. and the Hollywood Bowl, which is, you know, if you haven't been to a concert at the Hollywood Bowl, I saw the Eagles there a number of years ago. The Hollywood Bowl is great. So, And I couldn't help but think they were trying to beef up the interest, too, to make the backdrop a little more colorful, if you will. And I think it works. I think it's nice to see them going other places. Did you like that, or do, would you prefer to have them sticking close to home? You know, I always love any kind of international <laughs> locale, and it's a great use of Gael Garcia Bernal. Of course, from Y Tu Mama Tambien and from the Motorcycle Diaries, you know I loved that whole element in the U.S. adaptation of The Bridge. Um, I'm all for it. Um, well, you know, I, I teed that up for you on purpose, just so you know. That's so sweet. I know, you know, so I sweet. can be a nice person now and again. <laughs> now, they've also gotten some great people to direct the episodes. For example, season one, two of the episodes were directed by Bart Freundlich, who's Julianne Moore's husband. Oh, I'm, I'm surprised she didn't guest in it then. You'd think she would have. I think that would be a great episode. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I, you know usually, I mean, three. you know, quite often that happens. I'm surprised, you know. I will say, having finished season one and couples into season two, 
this is not going to be a West Wing. It's not going to be, you know, it's going to grow old. Uh, and, it's very different in Yeah, tone. but also it just doesn't have, it, you know, it's just doesn't have the excitement or I don't know what it is, but there's a little bit of a rhythm to it that I think will become monotonous. And I also don't think it's a binge watch. I think you watch a couple episodes here, then you go away, you come back, you watch a couple more. I mean, I was not so compelled that I had to stay and watch the rest of it as I have with other things like Criminal Minds. I mean, you know. This would be a great show back when people used to watch one episode a week because it's like a little treat once a week. Yeah, and I think that's the way it should be seen. I I don't think it's going to go down as one of the great series. I don't think it's going to be... A house of cards. What about if you compared it to comedies? Uh, I I still don't think it's going to have that reach forever and ever. Have you ever binge watched a comedy? Um, I have. You know, I have. I watched an entire season in a row of Grace and Frankie, and I could have. And I was sad that it was over, and I wanted to continue watching. I think that had. You know, I mean, I could see the characters going and doing other interesting things. Now, maybe it's the way they're presenting it, but I, I don't see it as having the same longevity of interest or reach that some of the other series have had. I think it's a, a show with a lot of built-in conflict and wonderful humor and fabulous dialogue. I I've thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, it. even the Big Bang Theory has longevity. Like, the Big Bang Theory, like Friends and... Um, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, Friends, uh, those series, you know, you can watch them five, ten years later, Sex and the City, and they still have have a reason to be seen. And I don't see this as having that longevity myself. That's just my personal take on it. Well, I applaud it for the quirk factor, the dialogue, the acting, and the fully drawn characters. Yes, so it's, I love this backstage look at classical music. So it's definitely uh, uh, you know something we recommend that you you watch if you can. Amazon Prime. They have a lot of good shows in there. We'll be talking about them more, I think, as 2016 moves on. Something that's up and coming, which I think is going to be really interesting. On the 23rd of January, Chelsea Does is, is coming out on Netflix, and it's a four-part Netflix documentary series featuring Chelsea Handler, and she's exploring four topics of personal and universal fascination, marriage, racism, Silicon Valley, and drugs. I mean, what could be better? <laughs> so uh, we'll definitely have to take a look and, and talk about that, but it's also starting off with rave reviews, and I sort of like that that um, Chelsea Handler, who's really known you know, more as a humorist than she is as a documentarian about major issues, and, you know, she's a joke teller, if you will. Uh, I'm glad that she's coming out. It'll be interesting to see. And it might be a new way documentaries might be looked at. So we'll have to take a look at that. You up for that? Sure. And speaking of documentaries, I did see one this week. Oh, The 2014 documentary. I saw Elaine Stritch shoot me. Oh. Of course, about the late, great Elaine Stritch, one of the true grand doms of the American theater. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Elaine Stritch. I've got a certain amount of fame. I've got money. I wish I could drive. Then I'd really be a menace. <laughs> she performed on Broadway. I just think this is remarkable. From 1945 to 2010. Wow. I feel better when I work. Because it's such an escape. I think performing is the pump in her heart. Here she is, boys. And I believe that the people who gave us such great performances over the past 100 years should be uh, should be studied. I, I think they bring so much to today's world, which is so much more a flash in the pan. I think Elaine is a great role model. 
She is confident and brassy and stylish and gorgeous. She doesn't wear pants and she lives the way she wants to live. She is the conduit to a time that really was the golden age of theater in this country. And she grew up out of that. The object of my affection can change my complexion from white to rosy red. When she was in her late 70s, I saw her on stage in her one-woman show. It was one of the greatest performances I have ever seen. Broadway, baby. I was thinking about what made her such a good storyteller, and I really think it was her emotional honesty. Right. It was also, of course, her tremendous wit. Yep. I don't know what to say about about humor, except thank God for it. I can change the subject of my life with humor when it's down. I can change it like that. Huh. Let's hear it for the ladies who watch. I definitely will take a look, and I'm glad you mentioned it. Thank you. Well, we hope you have a great week, and keep in mind where um, our new schedule comes out. We we load in on Thursdays now, starting this very first week of of um, January. That's right. So see you all next week. Bye.